Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Hello there. Hello. It seems you've fallen into the gap. My name is, uh, Jeff, yeah. That's a good fake name, yeah. Let's yeah, you sound you. like Carl Panzerum. No. <laughs> You're not. How dare you say something like that? You're angry. Come here, let me put you in a nice, fun outfit. See, we got these new suits. You can wear them with shorts. What kind of public access show is that? It's fashionable for the summertime. For the businessman who needs to take subway. You need to go and make sure it needs to fit a little tighter than you think it would be. Just well, like this. What did you say your name was? Jeff. Oh, you know, <laughs> you see, you notice the cameras pants. aren't plugged in. You know that, and I am the janitor. Very convincingly and very conveniently, we've also put a zipper in the back of these pants. I don't. I, <laughs> it's more of a formality. All right, I see what you're doing. Good lord. Okay, welcome to the show, everyone. This is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben Kissel. Uh, that's Marcus Parks. Hey. And uh, we got Henry Zabrowski here as well. I just wish my mom made me Snarl. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, Snarl would be a good name for Mr. Panzerem. And that's who we're talking about. Part two, Carl Panzerem. We're going to get into his prison experience, the hardening of a man who was already uh, quite bitter uh, and angry. You didn't think he could get, could get any angrier, but uh, the U.S. penal system will do that to you. Uh, Carl was released from Leavenworth in 1910 and headed to Denver, Colorado. There he had another experience which proved to be fairly formational, although it could just be an excuse he ended up using so he wouldn't have to say he was out and out gay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He had a lot of excuses about not <laughs> wanting to be with women. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, about a week after Carl arrived in Denver, he came down with what he called a first class case of gonorrhea. I do like that he's like, it's first class. First <laughs> it class. I, I, it's not an economy class case of gonorrhea. This is first class. I'll have my martini when I fly, please. You know it's first class because they serve you a dish of hot nuts. <laughs> this is so disgusting. Well, this is what he actually said about that experience. I began to suspect that ladies were very good things to leave alone. 
I have followed that policy pretty closely ever since. Because ladies are icky. <laughs> I heard you. that. I heard Gross. that. Gross. Because you know why? You know what the thing is about a lady? When you flip them over, you don't got any of that hobo grease. Oh, I see. I so so technically hobos. they're cleaner. Yeah. Hobos are like by screaming bits of soap. I don't want to get into that right now. He just always, that's, he just came up with excuses for why he wanted to be with women. But well, there, there is a story yes. that points towards, it doesn't matter whether it does not matter whether or not he was gay. Oh, no. absolutely. It of doesn't matter. Not. But it, he fought it so hard, the lady doth protest too much because uh-huh. he met a man in a Denver holding facility, which is different now. It's not 420 Denver. Now it used to right. be just the mountain town. Before fucking old horse teeth John Elway carved his uh-huh. way through that town. That's right. It used to be a rough place. And so he went into a jail for, for a couple months for stealing a bike. He met a 50-year-old safe Can cracker. you imagine him on a bike, by the way, with his butt just popping out <laughs> ring, his muscles? Ring, ring, ring. I'm sick of the shitty bell. I just, I can make enough noise. He got yeah. arrested like three times for stealing a bicycle. I just, I mean, he couldn't, because there were not really any cars around. Right. And also, like, he couldn't ride a horse either. So the only way of locomotion that he had, he had two ways, either the railroads or the bicycle. What was the name of the guy that uh, Ice Cube had to knock out in the movie Friday? Debo. Debo. He, he just reminds me of Debo, just like... Like, I'm on a bike. There's nothing feminine about it. You just must look like you took a circus bear and you shaved it. (laughs) And so he went into jail and he he started talking to this safe cracker. Now, what he said was much older than him. He was about 20 years old because he just got out of Leavenworth. Meanwhile, he is 190 pounds of six foot two, a pile of muscle. He's a ripped, hard, angry faced little man. And he met the safe cracker. Then he said that he was super curious about learning how to blow safes because he wanted to up as much money as he could blow safes. Wait, hold on. Yeah, (laughs) I, I am confused now. With the, with the, this with is the terminology. Verbiage. It's terminology. Okay. And so he goes, he gets released. He was only there for a couple months, but the, the, the man, the other dude, the safe cracker, had a five year term. So he gets out. He robs a hardware store. He takes a bunch of files. Carl does. Carl does. He takes a bunch of files, straps them to his legs underneath his pants, which is a lot of effort, yeah. in order to break back into the jail to release his quote unquote friend. That's kind of nice. If. Only if you're fucking. Well, I don't <laughs> no, know. I and that's that okay you. if they I found would, love in jail. I, I mean, had the story not gone a horrible route that we'll get into, that's kind of sweet. When I finally have to come visit you in jail. I'm never going to go. I can't <laughs> fit in jail. It would be a, it would be my choice as a friend, and I would use the visitor's area. So he broke into jail and then got caught because okay. he's a fucking moron. Because right. obviously not the most in- inconspicuous human being on the face of the planet. Yeah. They immediately put him back in jail, and so this is what he wrote in response. The thanks I got from old Cal was that he thought I was in love with him, and he tried to mount me, but I wasn't broke to ride, and he was, so I rode him. At that time, he was about 50 years old, and I was 20 or 21, but I was strong, and he was weak. All right, hot stuff. But wow. I think that means he's Wild in love stuff. with him. I, now I just can't stop uh, thinking about you just getting all buttered up, breaking me out of prison, <laughs> with Marcus just behind you, just like shoving you into the, to, into the go, vent. Just go. If I just get as slippery as a fish, there's no way they can catch me. Oh, man, who knew the head guard was a noodler? Henry, Henry, (laughs) I'm getting out. I'm getting in. (laughs) So after Denver, Carl continued his life of crime, mostly robbing churches, until he arrived at the Kansas State Fair and joined Colonel Dickey's Circle D Wild West Show. (laughs) It is just, as you can imagine, what they do after hours. (laughs) He didn't last long there and was fired for constantly fighting everything and everyone, including the horses. It it is a scene out of Blazing Saddle. It is real. He punched a horse. Right. Part of the 
reason why he was fired. This guy is a, a little stinker. Yep, and that horse, it went and, and it talked to the manager and said, I am a working horse, and I deserve to be treated with a little respect when I'm at work. Well, Carl saw the Circle D again at the Missouri State Fair a few weeks after getting fired, and in, in retaliation, burned down both their horse and cook tent before immediately leaving for St. Louis. Ooh. The most beautiful city in the near to Midwest. <laughs> absolutely. We had a great time in St. Louis. Did absolutely. Absolutely. I yeah. love St. Louis. Home of Chuck Berry. That's right. Uh, there, Carl worked as a strike breaker for the Illinois Central Railroad. Now, this is how much of a badass Carl was that he'd even fight for the man. He, wa- <laughs> right. he just wanted a job fighting, and there were so many jobs where you could legally fight. In 1910, it's, a- it's amazing. There's so many goon squads. Yeah, so the strike, so their unions were on strike, their railroad union was on strike, is that right? Yeah, and then yeah. he just went in and just told them to get back to work with his pants down? Or how did he do this? Well, a lot of times these uh, strikes would happen and the companies would send in strike breakers, otherwise known they as just beat the living hell scabs, out of black, leb- black legs, or knob sticks. God, and he loved all those names for himself. <laughs> yeah. Those well, are all different names he called his penis. Yeah, could be. <laughs> well, you know, scabs were just guys that went in and worked in place of the union workers. Right. Of course, they were some of the most reviled people uh, in America at the time, but there were other strike breakers like Carl Panzram who would just go in and beat the guys into submission. They would just uh, beat them until they went back to work, and that was Carl's forte. That's how much of a dickhead he was. He just went ahead and added working for the man to his list of crimes. He found a job that was applicable to his skill set, and he and he uh, filled it. I guess that is the American dream, isn't it? It ben? is. Think about if LinkedIn was around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and not help. responding to his, his ad Carl Panzeram would like to add oh, you to LinkedIn. No. <laughs> Carl then made his way down to Jacksonville, Texas, and on the way picked up two pistols, a little robbery money from a church or two, and, in his words, a curly-haired, blue-eyed, rosy-cheeked fat boy. Now, he was a yeg, <laughs> which was his person. Technically, his if you gave him a label, and I don't necessarily believe in labels, but at the same time, labels help you so identify. He was a yeg, mm-hmm. and so he had a sure. boy captain. Now, this is, again, we talked about this last time. I just his- can't stop thinking about life of Louie, <laughs> and I'm sorry for It's that. true. Also... I think of myself yes. as the rosy-cheeked fat boy just with Carl Pansram. <laughs> being like, he's my stepdad, right? Yeah, good lie. Good lie, you funny little boy. But it's kind of like if Aladdin also had sex with Apu. Ah, uh, could be, yes. Hey, and just keep thinking of like Nick Cave songs, like he crawled mm. through a whorehouse just to get to one fat boy's ass. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Is that a Nick Cave song? Oh, yeah. Stagger Lee. It's fucking one of his best. Well, we might have to investigate those lyrics, I think. It's kind of <laughs> dangerous. But when Carl and the fat boy were arrested in Texas, the cops took Panzram's guns but left him the fat boy. How do they take the fat boy, leave the gun? No. There's no constitutional right to the fat boy. You cannot get between a yak and his boy. You absolutely can. No, it's like in between a mama chimp and a baby chimp. I don't. Can well, you imagine we can... trying to take the boy? Maybe they just couldn't Carl lift Panzer the boy. Man, you're heavier than you look. Are you, ma- are you made of steel? <laughs> and the two were sent to the road gang where the boy was taken away there mm. only to be given over the bo- to the boss man so he could become his fat boy. I don't understand what's going on. Fat what boys, happened to the fat boy? From what I can tell you from being an altar boy, fat boys are currency. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess so. And when the boss man got tired of the fat boy, fat boy got sent back to Panzram in the prisoner's tent. Oh, By this point, he's, all, he's got all the boss man's oils all over him, and he can't go back to the nest. <laughs> Disgusting stuff happening. Now, in hobo terms, the boy was what you called a punk, a.k.a. an Angelina, a.k.a. a Prussian. Interesting. All right. Now, or Prussian. Not oh. Prussian as in, like, from Prussia. Oh, okay. It's like P-R-U-S-H-I-N. I don't know why they were called Prussians, but that's what they were called. I don't even know why they were called Angelinas. Somebody I know why he's called a fat boy. I know why it's called Angelina. Why is he called an Angelina? We don't want to get into it. Why would you even prompt that? You know he's going to say something horrendous. In uh, Carl's words, quote, This comes from a fantastic letter where Henry Lesser, so during this period of Henry Lesser, Henry was just like, can you please explain to me some criminal code? And Henry Lesser was? Uh, Henry Lesser was the prison guard right. that Carl Panzram gave all of his no, gave all of his letters to. Essentially, Henry Lesser is the guy who took Carl Panzram's autobiography and spent 40 years trying to find a publisher mm-hmm. for it. Uh, Henry Lesser is the reason why we know about Carl Panzram. So in Carl's words, a punk is a poofter, and a poofter is a pratter, and a pratter is similar to a fruiter. The only difference between the two is that one likes to sit on it, and the other likes to eat it. It's like if Dr. Seuss was horrible. <laughs> yes. What no, are those words? Oh, just wait. If you want to hear a, you, a horrific doc- Dr. Seuss, this next excerpt is going to give you all the Dr. Seuss but, you need, my friend. Okay, but a poofer is a what? A poofter is a pratter, and a, a pratter po- is similar to a fruiter. And the only so difference a between the two is that one likes to sit on it, and one likes to eat it. So a poofter is a fruiter. A poofter is a, well, I mean, our, it's like, in, yeah, in, in the, in the, in the criminal what, algebra, like, yeah. yeah. Is this what common core is like for children right now? <laughs> this is a, a further explanation. Or not even explanation, this is just a list of all the hobo and criminal terms that Carl Panzeran picked up over the years. I've been mixed up in every kind of crooked deal there is with every kind of crook there is. Con men and gang men, prowlers and boosters, stick-up artists, can-opener artists, and sometimes face artists, Peterman and boxmen, paper hangers and grape hangers, hustlers and rustlers, pimps and mickimps, hookers from the big town and hookers from the sticks. Big shots and pikers, dynamiters and sodomiters, fruiters and boofers, dig bats and gay cats, shiv men and gunmen, needle pumpers and snow snifters, hotheads and jugheads, wise guys and dumbbells, bootleggers and rum runners, wolves and gunsels, dips and short card gamblers, home guards and boomers, booze fighters and cop fighters, and last and not least, musslers and gustlers. I have put in 29 years in the game of hooks and crooks. There is no angle of this game that I haven't tried at some time or other. I've even tried running a gas station. <laughs> I, uh, it sounds like when Johnny Depp played Hunter S. Thompson uh, and he's describing the drugs in, in, in uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Or a man desperate to sell fireworks. Just like, we got... <laughs> it doesn't explain what most of those mean, but right. he did expand on just a couple of them. A face artist is an exceptionally well-experienced fruiter. One who knows his bananas better than an amateur. A face artist is one who goes downtown for lunch a nose dives into the bushes when he's hungry. I'm being subtle. I'm talking about cock. Oh, I see. <laughs> I was actually confused. I mean, there is something very literary about uh, the way that he writes. He's an incredible writer. Yeah. He's a fantastic writer. I mean, uh, the the quote on uh, the cover of Panzerama Journal of Murder is from Norman Mailer. Hmm. I mean, this guy is actually well-respected as a writer. Very bizarre. Yeah, there's something very Bukowski about uh, hearing the way that he uh, describes his very... horrible, horribly difficult and strange oh, life. Oh, yeah, Bukowski. Bukowski, Hemingway, there's all kinds of different writers mixed up in here. 
Yeah, he, it, he wears his influences on his sleeve. That's well, it. I mean, it's possible that Hemingway stole his whole act from Pam's right? You think so? <laughs> Uh, anyway, back in the prison camp with his fat boy, Panzram's 40 days were up and he was ready to head out into the world alone. But the boss refused to let him go. Carl tried to escape, as was his want, but he was caught and earned some time at the snorting pole. Ooh, what the heck? Now, I've been, I have had some fun nights. Yes. <laughs> um, it definitely sounds know, like a Paris Hilton activity. Yes, it's the snorting pole. What do you guys do there? Oh, a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> now, the snorting pole was a fairly common form of punishment in the southern penal system in the early 20th century. How it worked was a rope was run through an eye hook affixed to the top of a 12-foot pole. And the rope would be attached to a pair of handcuffs snapped around the wrist of the prisoner. And the prisoner would then be pulled upward by the wrist oh. above his head until his toes were barely touching the ground. He would then be stripped naked and whipped with what was called a red heifer, oh, which wow. was an eight-foot-long snake whip. Particularly, they used black snake whips, which meant that they had a load of lead at the bottom that could be used as a blackjack in a pinch. You know, it is uh, just picturing this extremely muscular man in that position. I'm fairly certain that my older brothers had similar um, <laughs> uh, articles that they would read as but children. But they gave their consent. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no things about if, it's, if this was consensual, this would be the meatpacking industry. Like any any point having of the fun, evening if in New York having, City. If he could say a safe word and they're like, okay, everything's fine now. Go have some sandwiches. It would have been fine. It does seem, in the very bottom of it, a little like... Homoerotic in terms yeah. of big burly railmen with the way their shirts looked. open yeah. and him all cut up and like covered in tattoos, just going like, "Yeah, whip me till I'm gay." <laughs> you know, be like excited. We to don't be have gay. to whip you at all, then. <laughs> now you can stream the live TV you love for just forty bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you love. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses 
filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need square space to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse, ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously, I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you could do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. 
Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, the snorting pole was so called because when men were whipped, they would, in Panzram's words, jerk, yell, jump, and snort. And about the experience, Carl said, When a man is let down after being whipped, he has blood on his back and murder in his heart. I, I, I was making jokes, but this is very serious. This is torture, and it's absolutely awful stuff. Well, it, the, yeah. he did awful, awful shit, too. I, well, I know, but he was just one of the many people who were given this exactly. treatment, and I'm sure yeah. they were just caught doing God knows what. Of course, yeah. I mean, Panzeram was the worst of the worst, but this stuff was meted out equally to all prisoners. Right. This was not saved just for people like Panzeram. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, this kind of punitive, uh, this kind of punitive action, it only makes bad criminals worse. Oh, absolutely. It, it does absolutely nothing uh, to help them out. Uh, but Carl saying that he had murder in his heart, he would not act on that just yet. After being released, Carl set back out on simple mayhem. He mm. would rob chicken coops and burn them down or set fire to prairie grass or the woods or anything that would burn. Because for a while, that was how Panzerum, that's how he got out his frustration. Uh, right. That's how he got out his anger. He'd just burn shit down until finally one day that wasn't enough anymore. Well, now I remember, what was it, Otis Tool and... Uh, and Otis Tool. Otis Tool and the other fella there. Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas. They would always rob chicken coops. I never... What did they get from it? Chickens. chickens. They, they just take the chickens? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you take a, it's a hobo in 1920. That motherfucker is going to love a chicken. I just also, feel like it's like a Resident Evil. They're just collecting eggs to make themselves stronger. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But also, at the same time, the noisiest crime of all. And this is why he keeps... <laughs> yeah, ooh, shut up. And then you got a bunch shut of chickens you got to deal with. Shut up. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it's quite, he keeps getting caught. No, that's true. Uh, Carl would also take pot shots at the windows of farmhouses from the freight trains he was riding just to occupy time. And who knows if he actually hit anybody while he was taking those pot shots. Right. And when he ran afoul, afoul of a railroad official, Carl would pull out the Bible he kept with him, along with an accounts book forged with evidence of him being a good, hard-working Christian, down on his luck, and usually that was good enough to get him out of trouble. Hmm. He keeps doing that for the rest of his life. I even think that the game with Henry Lesser is a long con that he was trying to get on the other side of Henry Lesser in order to maybe help him get out of jail. Sure. I think that everything he did, he learned you fake being nice. Because when you're big and scary, it's a thing that Ed Larson learned, which uh -huh. is very funny for Roundtable Gentlemen, yeah. because you're such a big, scary-looking guy that when you're nice, people have like a reaction. Like they're it's confused. A, they're yeah. confused, and you can get a lot over on somebody. Mm-hmm. But Pantram's lies and schemes with all of these railroad officials didn't always work out quite so simply as him just telling a lie and having the guard tell him to move on. Mm. One night, Carl was riding in a coal car with two other hobos. They were found by a railroad brakeman, brakeman being the guy who would apply the brakes to individual cars on the trains when need be, meaning mm. this guy would walk from train to train to train. Usually the brakeman was the guy that discovered hobos riding the rail. They call him a squeaker, they call him a pumper, they yeah. call him a driver, they call him a stinker. And they also call him soon to be victim. Yeah. This, this seems like a very dangerous job. Extremely dangerous job. And when the brakeman started hassling the three hobos, asking them who they were, what they were doing, Carl pulled a gun, pointed it at the brakeman, and said, I'm the fellow that goes around the world doing people good. 
The brakeman understandably started backtracking, saying he never threw hobos off trains. And then he offered to buy the trio dinner along with giving Carl everything he had on him. And Carl responded by overpowering the brakeman mm. and raping him on the floor mm. of the coal car. And when he was done, Carl then turned the gun toward the other two bums and made them rape the brakeman just as he had. Oh, my goodness. Well, because he kept saying that um, sodomy was the gift that civilization gave him, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Yeah. And he's quote, here quoted as saying, I knew more about sodomy than old boy Oscar Wilde ever thought of knowing. I would start off the morning with sodomy, work as hard at it as I could a day, and sometimes half of the night. It's very, uh, it's very intense. He's extremely intense, and you yeah. can tell in his writings, anytime he talks about sodomy or writes about it, mm-hmm. you can hear the twinkle in his eye. He's trying to freak the squares a little bit. A little bit, The yeah. idea is to bring it up all the time so he knows how unsettling that is to everyone, to use it as a weapon. Ba- basically, yeah. he's weirdly using his sexuality as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of like Eileen that. Warnos in that weird yeah. way, yeah. where it, be- it becomes weaponized and it becomes this thing, because you've, what is, what, especially a 1910s man, what is he most most afraid of getting poopy food in, in a fucking <laughs> a box car. Some things never change. You know, those are, there are some things that I last would put eternal. that in my top five fears. Just, just feel that way. Yes, absolutely. But of course, as a person who was sexually abused as a child, I mean, so many times we see it today and uh, just throughout human history, they just repeat the crimes over and over again, and they they do it to, uh, I guess, take the power back of them being such a horrible, uh, being victimized. Oh, absolutely, and especially in Panzram's case. I mean, I, I guarantee you that every time he was doing something like this, he had the four hobos that gang wrecked him mm. when he was 14 in his mind the entire time. God. Right. Oof. So ins- <laughs> it's brutal. Just I like, mean, oh. being a hobo is bad enough. It's hard enough, and then hard you have enough, this yeah. uh, situation. My God. Yeah. In San Francisco, Panzram was picked up for trying to fence a stolen watch in a bar called the Louvre, which was so named because it was decorated with nude oil paintings and boasted the longest bar in the world. Wow, that's kind of <laughs> wow. exhausting. What do drunks want? A long walk. <laughs> hey, I've always heard they want a long, long walk. Thankfully, I get my heart rate up so I can go home and be prepped for when I'm beating my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's okay. We got some competition. There's the world's biggest zigzaggy bar going up across the street. It's called Pukies. Oh, Pukies the zigzaggy bar. After getting caught for stealing the watch, Carl was told if he pleaded guilty to stealing the watch, he'd get a short sentence. But instead of getting a short sentence, he was given seven years in the Oregon State Penitentiary, Hmm. known to be, at the time, one of the worst prisons in America, which was saying a lot. Yes, and and the Oregon State Penitentiary, because of this, essentially he he now viewed himself as he trusted somebody, and they uh, they reneged on their word. The prosecutor, so the prosecutor yeah. reneged on his word, and this is going to be sort of like his Professor Xavier school for uh, like special children right. of criminality. Mm-hmm. Once he gets to Oregon State Penitentiary, this is going to take it up a notch. In I, his he world. would be sort of a Wolverine type, I suppose, or maybe a Beast type as well. Actually, someone did compare him to Logan uh, yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Well, so, it must have been a really nice watch anyway. <laughs> Seven years for stealing a watch. That's that's a bit stiff, I think. But So the administrator of Oregon State was a man by the name of Minto, who ran the prison as what could be considered a model of the for-profit prisons that operate mm-hmm. in America to this day. This whole chapter of his life reminds me of Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> how, how, how exactly? Does he, Does he, get he have a electricity twin? powers yeah. at the end? Uh, he wished. <laughs> well, yes, he definitely wished, and we will get into some electrocution here. Mm-hmm. A Minto cut 
cut the pay of working inmates from a dollar a day down to a quarter to save money, and then he funneled cash that once went to the families of prisoners into what he called an institution betterment fund, which was used to buy machinery that earned the state even more profits, of which mm. Minto more than likely took a cut. And shit like this is still happening oh, today. And in uh, fact, it's yep. I mean, it, now it's going up to the highest levels of power. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about it on Able Against Top Pat. Uh, Geo Group and Core Civic, uh, the, uh, they own uh, the majority of the private prisons, the 12% of the private prisons who house the majority of illegal immigrants. Arrests for illegal immigrants are up, or undocumented workers are, are up, and deportations are down. So they're so keeping they're housed, them in there. Exactly. And yeah. we're going to talk about more that more on Top Pat. Uh, this is uh, modern-day slavery, and it's been happening, as we'll talk about in this country. Uh, ever since the beginning, absolutely, yeah. These uh, and these private prisons. I mean, this uh, this when Minto was doing it, all this was going back into into the state, and uh, corrupt officials could skim off the top. And now it's going to shareholders because these mm-hmm. private prisons they actually manufacture stuff. A lot of times in private prisons, sometimes well, they'll Windex. have sometimes oh. they'll have prisoners actually manufacturing riot gear for police officers. Oh, there yeah. was a prison in South Carolina that had a contract with Victoria's Secret. So Victoria's Secret, <laughs> oh literally, God. how you horny would you- those prisoners? be. I have no idea. <laughs> they must have been pretty upset. Call Pansram just putting on a negligee, <laughs> just being like, don't you fucking look at me. Don't you look at me. Uh, uh, uh. Don't oh, you I don't know me. if they're allowed to try on the uh, the bras before they ship them out, but what a strange Valentine's Day gift that is. <laughs> Made by prisoners, honey. Here you go. And in Oregon State, uh, Mento his staff was just as heartless as he was. His main guy was Jim Vinegar Cooper, Ugh. known in the prison as the Man of Blogs. Jeez, it's like uh, this is it's it's so uh, it's just it's, it's it, medieval. It's it medieval, is medieval character. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Because he, even Panzerum said that is that he one time he went to Spain. Uh, afterwards, you're gonna find he took a big European tour. In the, the third episode, we'll get to his European <clears> tour, and he explained that when he went, he went to go see all of the museums celebrating the Inquisition, like like doing all hmm. shit, and he was just like, it was the same shit that he got in this jail. This guy is crazy. Vinegar Cooper, yeah. like he, he would wear gloves, and he loved roses, yeah. and religious hymns, like he would just listen to religious hymns as he whipped you and laughed. Yeah, he'd sing them to himself. Yeah, and wow. he would break prisoners by lashing them with a cat of nine tails. So it's a guy named Vinegar lashing you with a cat of nine tails in a room full of roses while he's singing, oh lovely Thou art my God. Sounds like a Madonna video. It might be a Madonna video. And now I'm hungry for salt and vinegar chips, <laughs> which we get in the green room on all the live shows. <laughs> and we thank all of our uh, venues for yeah. providing us thank those you. salt and vinegar chips. Mm. But the cat of nine tails, that wasn't even close to the worst torture used at Oregon State. That honor fell to the hummingbird. The hummingbird was a steel bathtub filled with four to five inches of ice-cold water. Mm. The prisoner would be chained hand and foot and lied inside. The torturer would take a sponge, much like the one used in the electric chair, to direct the current and connect that sponge to an electric battery using wires. Now, to be fair, this is what Bill Belichick did to make Tom Brady so good. I mean, it's about <laughs> discipline. It is about discipline. Now, the torturer, wearing rubber gloves and a rubber slicker to prevent himself from getting electrocuted, would begin oh. by rubbing the soles of the feet with the electrified sponge, moving up the body slowly. And Panzram mm. said the sensation felt like millions of red-hot needles sticking into the skin. Now, the reason why they 
use that wet sponge, and it's also the reason why they used to use the wet sponge uh, when they would put guys oh, in the chair yeah. uh, because that wet sponge directs the current. It uh. puts it all into one place. If they didn't use the wet sponge in the electric chair, that puts the electricity all over the person's body. And it kills you. It, it, well, it cooks them. It cooks them much slower. Mm. Remember Green Mile? Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, when they didn't when they didn't put the sponge into the water with the guy that loved the mouse so much. Yeah, John oh. Coffee. It's like the drink, but it's not spelled the same. <laughs> oh. well, well, John Coffee, that was different. This was the Cajun guy that, oh, the little oh, mouse. Oh, my little oh, mouse. Why <laughs> Well, what that sponge did is it directs the current directly into their brain, and that's what the current did at a much lower voltage mm. uh, with the hummingbird is that they could, when they got the sponge, he could just poke it right into a certain point in the skin, and you would feel that sensation of those needles on your skin, and they would move it up their entire body. This is what Panzram said about hmm. it. Two or three minutes and the victim is ready for the grave or the madhouse, yet there is not a single mark or bruise on his whole body. Now, what I say, uh, too, what I liked in the yeah. beginning of his wow. explanation, when he, because we learn about all these tortures from his letters to Henry Lesser, mm-hmm. and one of the things that Carl wrote is like, it's called the hummingbird, not to be confused with a hummingbird, <laughs> which is a tiny little cute bird that just, wonderful to see. It's not that bird. It's not. No. No, it's worse than that. That bird brings nothing but delight. <laughs> and if I see anybody who says anything different about no the hummingbird, no. I'm going to push him down into a bath. All right. I know. We don't. Yeah, I know. So this is, uh, yes, it, it reminds me of uh, Guantanamo Bay style tactics as well. But yeah. I mean, I don't think they were trying to get government secrets out of Carl Panzerin. Well, they actually, they talk about all the time. They're desperately trying to get confessions. They always want confessions. Oh, sure. Everything's yeah. confession based because that's how you get somebody, that's how you just cut and dry, get them into jail. So even talk about how the a lot of times the jails themselves which were try to cut down on the punishment tactics because they know they're not getting anything but lies from people yeah. right right it's very it reminds me of that film shocker as well which is a great horror movie Today's sponsor for Last Podcast on the Left is Stamps.com. Stamps.com saves you time and money, which you can use to grow your business. And in fact, we here at Last Podcast on the Left have used Stamps.com to grow our DIY operation right here. And we know a lot of people out there listening to Last Podcast on the Left are DIY artists as well. And you can use Stamps.com to avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. You can create your Stamps.com account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. You can print postage for letters or packages at your convenience 24-7, seven days a week. Stamps.com makes it easy to send you a digital scale and it automatically calculates exact postage. There's no need to lease an expensive postage meter. Right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the code LEFT. That's Stamps.com. Enter LEFT. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Now, Oregon State, like most overly punitive prisons, was already a powder keg waiting to go off by the time Pansram showed up. 
And Pan's Ram's constant escape attempts did nothing to ease the tensions either. Hmm. This man was a one a one man riot. Yeah, mm. what he did when he first went into this jail because he knew what well, basically he saw what happened. What he, what he realized, Carl Pan's Ram has realized every time he goes into jail is that you have to be really fucking aggressive as soon as you walk in right. to let everybody know who you are and what you do. And I think it was a self defense tactic. I think sure. that he knew that if I show up and everybody thinks I'm the scariest dude in the room, there's going to be less and less people who fuck with me. And also, he started really adopting it here. Doesn't hurt that he is by far the scariest person in the room. Yeah, that helps play into that narrative. Well, I think with Panzerheim, it wasn't about making the prisoners scared of him. It was about making the guards scared of him. Because the, the prisoners right. look at Carl Panzerheim, they're like, oh, don't fuck with that guy. Just immediately. Uh, but the guards, he feels like he needs to show the guards who's boss mm. right off. So one of the first riots he did is that he broke, basically he waited for a break in the shift, and the officer left. He somehow had held the door so that he could pop out of it. I forget exactly how he got out of the prison, out of his cell, but he was locked alone on the bridge with everybody, the officers on the outside. He stuffed all of the locks of everybody else's cell, including the door leading into the hallway with rags so people couldn't get through, and then he burned everything in the hallway until they had to put him back in isolation. So he was just... He's wow. a fucking maniac. Yeah, man. and all this stuff that the, uh, the uh, his prison records. I mean, they actually looked those up, and he did all of this shit. Wow. This isn't just him be- trying to sound like a badass and saying that he did all this shit that he actually didn't do. All of this stuff is on record, hmm. and he has a steel trap memory. He remembers everything that happened to him. It's actually pretty amazing. Hmm. Well, Panzan tried to escape, maybe. Half a dozen times, and every single time Panzram tried to escape, there would be a half dozen inmates that would try to escape right behind him in the sure. exact same way. And even though the attempts weren't successful, Panzram wrote, If I couldn't escape, I would help everybody else that I could. He's the Joker. It yeah. is interesting. He's actually, yeah, I mean, he's helping out people yeah. uh, as he sees it. Yeah, and the person who Panzram eventually got out was a 21-year-old kid named Otto Hooker. Ooh. And one night, Hooker managed to get outside the walls, and Warden Minto decided to join the hunt with his shotgun. But Hooker had managed in the interim to get a hold of a gun himself, and before the manhunt was over, Warden Minto was dead by Otto Hooker's hand. Well, they got to stop putting those barrels of guns just at all the entrances <laughs> and exits. Yeah, it was just America at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Minto was replaced by his brother, John, who cracked down on the prison even harder, but that only made Panzram spread more mayhem. The mm. fur- the harder you came at Panzram, the harder he came back every single time. Hmm. Now, he robbed the storeroom and stole a few dozen bottles of lemon extract. Ooh, lemon extract. That's kind of fun. 85% alcohol. Get you drunk real good. Oh, what, yeah. They just had a bunch of booze there? No, well, well you can make your own booze. Yeah. Like that. Well, yeah, and then using that lemon extract, he got a group of inmates drunk, stayed sober himself, and egged them into a brawl with the guards. He then set the prison shops on fire in an attempt to escape in the confusion, but he was caught, and that got him assigned to the bullpen along with the other rebellious prisoners. And that's also where they created Mad Dog's 2020 Lemon Yellow Sun, which is a (laughs) wonderful liqueur if you're in the mood for something that makes you taste like you or a trailer. (laughs) Uh, But you see, what they were doing here, too, what Oregon State was learning is that they kept building tinier prisons Mm. within the prison in order to specifically house Pansram, as they were, they were because John Minto was incredibly mad about what happened to his brother and blamed 
Pan's Ram for the, yeah. the like literally like you started this shit. So when this happened, they had just finished their brand new tiny, tiny, tiny Russian doll jail inside of this jail, which was called the bullpen. Now, the bullpen is it features a thing called the bull circle, which is literally a circle in chalk written on the ground, and all the prisoners have to stand hand on shoulder in a circle, walking in a circle. All Ugh. day long, and if anybody leaves a circle or falls down, they're severely punished. Good yeah, Lord. yeah. Panzram said that it was 102 steps around uh, because they ha- were made to walk it during all daylight hours. If the sun was up and they were in the bullpen, they were just walking around in the circle. They weren't allowed to talk to each other at all. Mm. If you talked, you got a beaten. If you stepped out of line, you got a beaten. If you walked too quickly or too slowly, you got a beaten. And if you tried to leave the circle, shot on sight. Well, they were just a pentagram away from summoning the devil. If they would have just had a pentagram in the middle of that circle. Honestly, it just reminds me of Conan turning the fucking... Oh, yeah. Like, turning the, the wheel. Yeah. Like, it's just him... Stri- you're just making him stronger. You're just making him do cardio. That's a lot of cardio, yeah. <laughs> but when Panzram got back to his cell, he continued to sow discord. He'd bang on his bucket all night long. He'd scream constantly. And he would scream and make so much noise. He was down in the basement. He was down in the hall. But still, other prisoners... Prisoners would hear him, and they would respond by screaming and banging their buckets as well, and it would spread throughout the entire prison. John Minto would sit up all night because it would work its way through the vents, yeah. and mm-hmm. he would sit in the jail, wait, like eyes open, staring at the ceiling, and just hearing <laughs> all night long. Drive him nuts, huh? Yeah, and eventually this chaos led to the escape of two more prisoners named Cocky O'Brien and Stepanov Smith. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> they sawed through the locks of their cells with stolen hacksaws and used strips of blankets tied to grapples made from bucket handles huh. to scale the main wall. That's like what? Batman Begins. It is. What are the odds <laughs> they went immediately to the world's longest bar? I hear there's a place It's the world's longest bar. We got to go get smashed. I don't know there, Cocky. <laughs> I'm sick of walking. <laughs> <laughs> and since the administration couldn't punish Cocky O'Brien and Step and a Half Smith, they punished the chief troublemaker maker instead, Carl. They yeah. took him down to the basement, stripped him naked, chained him to a door, and unleashed the fire hose. The fire hose! <laughs> it, just, it sounds fun if it's like, that means they're 50 cent, 50 cent fire bombs. Yeah, it's Everyone. cute when it's like, you have like a lady in like a thin white shirt sure. with a fireman's helmet on, she's getting lightly sprayed with a hose, that's fine and nice. Sure. But when it comes down to, this was the, it was subtly the worst punishment in the prison. Yeah. Because they said they stand 20 feet back and then full bore slam. And they said one medical record, the force was enough to blow a six-foot man 10 feet back. Yeah. And he's mm. shackled to a door. They basically shackled to a door completely nude and then just... Good <laughs> Lord. Brutal. Yeah. Like you're the horniest little fire in the world. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he said his entire body was bruised and swollen. This is what he said uh, about other parts of him. My privates were as big as those of a jackass. The full effects of this didn't wear off completely. And I tell you what, I'm thankful. Yeah, well, that's another Ed Larson situation from the round table, but we don't need to get into all that. Uh, and another example of Carl taking out his anger on anyone he could in place of the people he really wanted to hurt, Carl wrote, This is more than ten years ago, but still... Every time I catch an Oregonian and get him in a corner, I give him hell. Many a man has paid for what those men done to me that Sunday morning. 
I'm coming for Fred Armisen. <laughs> if I even see a trailer for Portland. Oh, oh my. I don't think you would like that show very oh, much. Oh, I give that TV hell with my bottom half. Carl, Carl, there's a nice bird in the film, though, or in, in the movie, in the TV show. More like put a bird up my ass. All right. Well, not everything has to. Can you imagine just a poor Oregonian man, just a door-to-door salesman? Making his craft beer. I didn't know. I'm not that person. What do you want from me? Sitting outside with his wonderful cold brew coffee. Oh, my gosh. Now, news of Carl's hosing reached all the way to the state house, and the second warden Minto was removed for cruelty. This was a statewide scandal. It was a wow. huge deal. It got written up. It got written up in the papers. Became, Carl Panzerum became known to America for the first time because of this whole story. Mm-hmm. Basically, as an example of he's a hardened criminal. He's a hardened criminal that has only gotten worse since receiving such intense corporal punishment. And so we're in the 1920s here. No, this is still the 1910s. Oh, okay, yeah, but the late 1910s. All right, so the Great Depression is looming. Great Depression. Uh, well, no, Great Depression is still like uh, ten years away. We're, uh, I guess, in the Gilded Age right now. This oh, okay. is when every everyone is getting stupid rich. Uh, uh, all right. So maybe they have a. It's yeah. fat cat time. Okay. All right. <laughs> now that warden Mento, when he was fired, he was replaced with a reformer named Charles A. Murphy. Now, this is very interesting. This is super interesting stuff. Like this story, the story between Charles Murphy and Carl Panzerum, it's very interesting because Murphy, he was maybe the first person of authority to not treat Carl like a complete animal. And his great-grandson went on, went on to become RoboCop, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yes, and, and, and in this story... Carl Panzerum blossoms sort of like Lauren Hill in Sister Act 2. <laughs> oh, we can we reference that movie an awful lot, as a matter of fact. Uh, pretty much any movie with nuns. Yeah, Sister yeah. Act, Nuns on the Run, pretty much be anyone pretending to be a nun. We love. I like I love fake it. nuns. I hate real nuns. That's my problem know. with watching The Keepers. I, because the keeper, I'm watching I, watched I just episode, don't care about a dead nun. No, you have to care. <laughs> she's a human being. Cessnick. And I'm, I watched episode one of The Keepers. I'm excited to finish the series. Murphy began his reign at Oregon State by abolishing the hole, the bullpen, and all the torture, and he made potato peeling the worst punishment an inmate could receive, which earned him the nickname Spud Murphy. Yeah. Very fun. I love Spud Murphy. Yeah. Murphy also upped the quality of the food, fixed the phone lines, and made more jobs available to prisoners. And after these reforms were put into place, tensions eased and disciplinary reports plummeted. I thought it was really interesting about the food that I I didn't know before is that they basically served only carbs. Before, they would serve either rice or potatoes because Mm. when people came to inspect the prisons, they wanted them to look plump. Yeah. Right? So they would literally Uh. fatten them up with carbs, but they didn't get any nutrition, so there would be so many... There were many prisoners that would die from lack of nutrition because of how little vegetables or, or sunlight or water that they got. Scurvy. Right. Scurvy, yeah, yeah makes prisons sense. were full of scurvy at this point. Still happens to this day. But even though all these reforms were put into place, Panzram didn't particularly care and kept trying to escape. He was caught again with a saw in his cell, but Murphy responded, instead of sending him to the hole or the bullpen, by increasing his rations and giving him magazines to read. Well, I ain't taking nothing unless it's golf digest. (laughs) Here it is. Why are you being so nice to snarl pants around? (laughs) You ever heard of this fun magazine called Cracks? Here it is. Alternative facts. Snarky commentary. (laughs) 
<laughs> when Panzram was caught yet again, Murphy called him into his office. Panzram immediately identified himself as the worst guy in the prison. He was a lost cause. Murphy couldn't possibly reach him. Mm. So Murphy, in a gigantic gamble, told Panzram that the next day, the gates of the prison would be open to Carl, who could go wherever he wanted, just so long as he gave his word that he would be back by supper time. This is, this mis- is, this is honestly a, ma- a massive mistake. <laughs> well, I, I kind of agree, but this is what the conservatives got all over Dukakis for in 88. This is why George W. got, H.W. got elected, soft on crime. And this is what Carl said happened. I fully intended to escape at the first chance, but something went wrong somehow. Old boy Spud was as good as his word. He opened the gates and I was free to go any damn place I wanted. I just stood there dumbfounded and so surprised at what I couldn't understand that I didn't try to escape at all. I just walked around a little while to see if any screws was watching me, but I didn't see any, so I sat down and tried to dope out what it was all about. Of one thing I was sure, I could have gone if I had cared to. And another thing I was sure of was that there wasn't any more honor about me than the stone I was sitting on. I just thought as I couldn't understand what it was all about that I would stick around a while and see what would happen. And then I would sure beat it after a few days. That evening I walked up to the gate of the prison and demanded to be let back in. It's like the end of the movie Problem Child. He <laughs> yeah. didn't know why they were being so nice, but then he found out it's because they cared for him. Mm-hmm. Now, after that, Carl started to change. First, Murphy gave Carl a job. And when Carl seemed to be pretty good at that, the warden organized a baseball team. Huh. And Carl joined that, too. But he was terrible at baseball. He was really bad at baseball. Well, baseball is very difficult. <laughs> because he kept chasing after the pitcher, being like, throwing a ball at me. <laughs> well, I'll throw a ball at you, Mr. Little Pitcher. He might not have the temperament for that game. I, I don't want to I don't want to see him with a bat, either. Yeah. It seems kind of dangerous. What's the movie where the person holds on to the bat and just hits all the people on the bases? Remember I that? think it's Major League. Maybe written me out. It might be Major League. <laughs> when Carl wasn't any good at the baseball team. They didn't give up. They told him to join the prison marching band. And they tried to put him on oh. drums, which you think would be perfect for him. <laughs> yeah, you know, he knows how to drum. He kept playing with the flute. They tried to give him the flute, but he just bit the head off of it. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, that's kind of adorable. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, as Carl wrote, he, was too, he said he was too dumb to learn a musical instrument. Oh. So they instead, they made him the drum major. You see, anybody can play the drums, right, Marcus? <laughs> no, that's not what a drum major is. What is it? You don't it? know what a drum major is? I didn't go to band. He's too dumb to play in his... I, I, I don't, okay, let me guess, because I actually don't know. I think the drum major is the one who marches in front of everybody, and then they just have to follow him, yes. and technically, people give him praise, even the, though everyone else doesn't. No, the drum. drum the drum major is the one with pizzazz. The drum major is the leader of the whole thing. They conduct... Uh, yes, what? conduct. Yeah. Yes, that's right. But they get yeah, a lot yeah. of praise. Yeah, the drum major, he's like a fancy conductor man with a big hat with a large feather on Yeah, it was like... Uh, yeah, so Rick Perry used to do. No. No, Rick Perry was a yell leader. That's a, I, that's a cheerleader thing. You okay. get everything all mixed I'm up here. I'm sorry. Come, Just, come, beat that drum. Beat it like a fat boy's drum. Beat it like a fat boy's drum. He is wonderful. like a fat boy's drum. Wonderful. Whatever gets him into character. <laughs> uh, when he couldn't handle the drum major job either. <laughs> Just watch. Just go and watch a YouTube video of a drum major. I know what a drum imagine major Imagine Carl Pat- Henry. Go watch a video of a drum major and imagine Carl Panzram do it. And enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when he wasn't able to do that, 
they made him carry the prison flag, and Carl said that he could do that just fine. That's great. That's a fun job because you it get is, to wave the flag like your, your hacksaw Jim Duggan. Just him confused, staring at people, smiling <laughs> at him, wondering who he needs to grab at first. <laughs> uh, every week, both the marching band of 30 men and a baseball team of 12 will be trucked around the state, guarded by just one man, to play other prisons or exhibitions with regular teams. Oh, this is he this is, is irresponsible. Guy. I don't think so because Carl Panzeram, it's like uh, necessary roughness. That dude gets off the bus first, mm-hmm. and everyone that's a chilling effect on the other yeah. team. And they had a magical summer. It's true. I it is kind it. of like, what was it? The replaceables? What's the other? The replacements? The, yeah, the, the replacements. replacements yeah. Yes. They, oh, this is kind of nice. Yeah, they had a magic. There was like forty-two guys, only one guard. Uh, a couple of them did escape, but yes, <laughs> yes. You know, but, but but Murphy always said that eighty-five percent of them came back the very next day. <laughs> well, that is quite fifteen <laughs> oh percent. It's quite a bit. I'm going to go steal second, and I'm just going to keep on going. It was an experiment. Yes, it was an experiment. Might not have worked, but. So after that magical summer, Carl was put to work as a trustee outside the walls, and he was allowed to stay out in the evenings after dark where he would walk around talking to other people and, in his words, smoking and enjoying life. Yeah. Look at that. And they were even talking parole for him, but it wasn't to last. Uh, Yeah. Oh, weird. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Carl was still facing four more years of his sentence, and one night, while out drinking with the girls, having a great time. Honestly, it says that it does not sound like he was sleeping with these girls. No, he was no I don't think that he was. No, no, he was just hanging out with a bunch of nurses and having a great time, just letting let himself be himself. Let yeah. his hair down. Well, he had no hair, but no, that proverbial. Is let his mustache let, down. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, something just switched in his head. You know, after a few drinks, Carl started to think that there was no real reason to go back to the prison when he could be having this good of a time all the time. He wrote, The night was warm and the moon was shining bright. A freight train was whistling down in the yards, calling me. I figured. Anyway, I answered. My Uber's coming. (laughs) Sounds like a Van Morrison lyric. (laughs) He's a very lyrical writer. But he was recaptured after a week in a spectacular gun battle. Because he said that he was so sad to return back to Murphy, yeah. having disappointed him. Mm-hmm. He was more he was more scared of disappointing him than yeah. going back to jail. Hmm. Yeah, because when he got back to jail, uh, Murphy was just as... He was extremely disappointed, and he had decided he was going to make an example of him. Uh, he reopened the bullpen and kept Carl hanging by handcuffs on the cell door. Uh, but Carl... You know, usually when they punished him, he'd scream, he'd yell, he'd destroy everything he could. But during his entire Mm. time, this punishment didn't say a word. I thought Spud Murphy was going to make him peel the big potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst. That's the worst. Pumpkins. (laughs) (laughs) But once Carl was finally placed back in general population, he sawed out of his cell, stole a trusty cook uniform, used a bar spreader to take out the last obstacle, and escaped Oregon State forever. Oh, my goodness. And, And for his troubles, Warden Murphy lost his job, and as he had been under close scrutiny during his entire experiment. He was declared a total failure, and many of the lessons learned about prison reform during his reign were totally forgotten. Well, you need to have a little middle ground. Maybe ha- allowing them out at the bars at night isn't the best idea. I think that was a bit much. That was a bit much. But, you know, baseball. Baseball is a great idea, but in, a, in you know, fence it in. Fence it. <laughs> <laughs> also down to be like, little, put a little fence around it. This sport is so boring. 
it's more exciting in jail when I get to be really close with the men. Yeah, <laughs> they're all they spread out on all these bases. <laughs> Honestly, amateur wrestling probably would have done good. Although, Carl, no, I'm not no, sure if he could. Well, no, that might have been too no. much. Yeah, that's a yeah, good yeah. point. <laughs> he might have just been the defunct champion because no one wanted to wrestle him. So, in the summer of 1920, Panzerem showed up in New Haven, Connecticut, to settle a score with his old nemesis, President William Howard Taft. Ooh. Taft. About seven years out of office at this point. I hate it when a fat boy is allowed to grow up to be a fat president. (laughs) The fattest of all. So Carl broke into the house of an ex-president and stole $40,000 in jewelry and bonds plus a 45 Colt automatic. Carl used the money he made fence in the jewels to buy a yacht. Another the, yacht. The Aquista. There's so many ships. <laughs> I love it. Eileen Warnos, the, that man who loved her, had a lot of yachts as well. Yeah. I, I mean, love there, a good yacht. There's plenty of yachts around. I yeah. guess so. Yeah. yeah. Well, yachts used to be a lot easier to get a hold of. And if you got $40,000 in jewels, you could absolutely buy a yacht. Yeah, I suppose so. And that's even after taking the hit on the on the fence cut, you know? What about yacht taxes and yacht holding fees and oh, yacht sure. maintenance fees? And the need for water. It is tough to find. Uh, After Carl bought the Akista, he would finally add mass murder to Uh his already long list of crimes. And the yacht is what did it. (laughs) Yeah, the the yacht was what finally gave him the platform, what finally gave him the site in order to commit the murders that presumably he'd wanted to commit all along. Boats are bad news. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What's the name? What's the, uh, was it uh, Natalie Wood? No, what's the name of the wood? Jack, yeah, that, Jack no, Nicholson. No, it's, it's Natalie Wood. Yeah, Natalie they got Wood. killed on the boat. And, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. What Christopher, is it? Christopher Walken, Walken tap danced there? her off the fucking edge of it. <laughs> Perhaps. Talented guy. Carl made his way to New York City in his yacht and docked off City Island in the Bronx. He would make his way all the way down to the bottom tip of Manhattan at 25 South Street and find sailors who seemed to have a bit of cash and promised him big pay and easy work Mm. up on his yacht. And when the sailor would inevitably say yes, Carl would have them bring all their possessions up to the Bronx. And this was a pretty smart move on Carl's part. Get all of your money. (laughs) What size shoes are you? Do you ever have? Do you have bigger shoes than this? I do. Do you have bigger shirts? I do. Bring those two. Bring them. Every last penny. Also, hey, on one thing, do you have your but <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, bring that to you. Yeah, 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 we're gonna need it. I've been trying to lose it. Well, I can't I'm lose gonna it. need it. You're not gonna need it. I'm gonna need it. So, <laughs> well, okay. Well, the genius part of that was that Carl was close enough for the trip, but he was far enough away where the sailors couldn't leave anything behind. I mean, the tip of Manhattan all the way up to the oh. Bronx. I mean, that's a what. 10 miles, or maybe like three or four miles. I say by schooner, it's three miles. If yeah. you go in how many, depends how many knots you're going. As the crow flies. It depends if the jib is, is wired or, or, or if the scoot is full. That's right. <laughs> That's correct. There, Carl would get them as drunk as he could, as soon as he could, what we call pulling a Dahmer. Ah, yes. Ah. I didn't know that we called it that, but... Uh, we we'll, do now. We'll, we'll do it now. What, I call pulling a I think you were going to call it pulling a Dahmer. Honestly, if there was like an a la carte way to be murdered and you ordered the Dahmer, <laughs> yeah, it would be this. That would be it. It would be yeah. And sometimes he would sodomize him, but sometimes he'd just let him go to sleep. And while they were asleep, Carl would use the very gun he stole from President William Howard Taft to end the sailor's life with a single shot to the head. He would then tie a rock around their dead body, take it about a mile out into the sea in his rowboat, and drop the victim overboard. It's about the implications. (laughs) It is. This is so unreal, but this is all true. This is all true. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, this is... He used the gun of an ex-president right. to kill 10 men. 
over wow. a three-week period. God. Oh, my gosh. Great criminal. Terrible it's, guy. Yeah. It's a horrible guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He only stopped when other people docked at City Island, noticed how much loot he was accumulating. Him just dressed like a fancy queen with a big yeah. crown on, just <laughs> draped with jewels and, and many layers of sailor's clothes. Yes. <laughs> just out here on my yacht. Enjoying my many layers. You, you look like <laughs> Razor Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> the next two sailors he hired were kept alive, and the three of them started traveling down the East Coast, robbing yachts together. But they only got as far as Atlantic City before they got caught in a squall and were run aground. And from there, Carl would embark on a world tour of mayhem and Ugh. horror, which we will get to on the conclusion of Carl. Pendrum. Yeah, this old dude's just getting started. Just yeah. getting going here. What's that uh, video game? Is it Fist of Fury with the huge dude? You're thinking of Final Fight. He does Final totally Fight. Oh, shit. Of That's yeah. it. He's <laughs> just the huge guy yeah. just spins and around you, and just every uh, the destruction in his path. Did you know in Final Fight, that guy's the mayor? Isn't that something? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, I'd vote for him. Yeah, um, he is the. If you were to pick, like, if president were to be chosen by who is strongest and toughest, yes, mm-hmm. like Eddie of President Camacho and Idiocracy, right? He would be president of the United States of America. Absolutely, yeah. Carl Panzram. Whoo! Wow, what a story. Obviously, again, a horrible human being who made terrible decisions and terrible choices. And it's quite unfortunate because obviously he was intelligent enough to uh, to know how to write, uh, to understand what he was doing, and quite frankly, intelligent enough to travel around the world. He yeah. said that he was intelligent enough. He did it very deliberately. All of these crimes, were he learned that might makes right early on, and then he just kept expressing it because yeah. it made him feel good. And yep. he's got, like, he just like, not like a lot of, the, not like all of these guys, but a lot of these guys, like, say, like, for example, like, Richard Ramirez, there's not a single shred of goodness in that piece of shit. Right. Like, he is just pure fucking evil. And even, like, Gacy, like, there's nothing in that guy redeemable. But with Carl Panzram, it's like, sometimes you see that little redeemable moment. Or like, you was see it that, an act, though? You see that know. little spark. I think there's also something to be said about he didn't kill women. And so as men, we're a little bit less sensitive. I, I do think yeah. that's the case because, you know, he he gets... Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's it, it doesn't... He, you don't treat him the same way. I mean, he obviously Maybe was so. making a point. Whatever yeah. he was doing, he was making a point about his treatment. Yeah. Yeah, he was, was making a yeah he was making a point about his treatment, but I I hesitate to call Pan to call Carl Panzram as we do a lot of these guys. I hesitate to call him pure evil. Yes, I really yes. do. He was he, he got it pounded into him too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a part of it where he just kind of only learned punishment. And so then he gave a lot well, of punishment. Either way, no excuses for his actions. No, but, abso- but an interesting story. No excuses, but he, yeah. he is. A, I, I think that he's a much more fascinating character. Like I, I he's cannot, deep. I cannot believe there's never been a Carl Panzram movie. Like yeah. just the part about him, just the relationship between him and Charles Murphy alone could be a film. Because and I'm going to say Tom Hardy for Carl Panzram. Well, that's he played Bronson, and Bronson oh, is the already new done. American thing. It's that's like the same right. thing. We can't do that anymore. Yeah. But it wouldn't. It would have been a good. It would have been ago. good. It, it would have been. been good. You know what, Harrison Ford, Goldberg, <laughs> the, the wrestler. If Bill Goldberg, Goldberg could the, act, but yes. yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, but he showed that he could act in Santa's sleigh. No, See? he didn't. He just he <laughs> he did a bunch of taglines and stabbed people. Um, all right. Well, we'll go on. We'll continue. This is an amazing story. It's a, this that, is one of my favorites that we've covered. But you know what? The reason why it's such a good story is because we have it straight from the man himself, and the man yep. himself can write. Yeah, um, and he can do a lot of other. 
disgusting oh, things. Absolutely. And we will get into the uh, horrific things that he did across the world. All right. Well, let's see. You're speaking of across the world. We got, uh, we're going to Toronto. Yeah. So we're going to see uh, them very soon. We'll T-dot. see. T-Dot. And then uh, let's see. Anything else to announce as far as that goes? Well, we've still got a, we, uh, tickets are on sale for our uh, Milwaukee show. Yep. Uh, you can find those online. We're about to announce a uh, large run of shows uh, for the a summer. Slew. A yes. slew of shows for the summer and the fall. Uh, that's going to be coming here in probably a week or so. And we're going to be coming to a lot of places that people have been wanting us to come to for a long time. We cannot wait. Absolutely. And, of course, that's only been possible because of, uh, of everyone who donated to the p- uh, Patreon page. Mm-hmm. So thank Thank you all so much for that. Yep. And if you feel like uh, we deserve a little bit of cash, you can go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. If you give just a dollar or more, uh, then you can get advanced ticket sales to all those upcoming shows we just talked about. Yeah. And, and I just I just uh, read a couple of creepypastas, so make sure to uh, go and give those a listen and uh, harshly criticize me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Henry Loves You and Marcus Sparks at Ben Kissel. You can follow us on Instagram. I'm at Ooh. Dr. Fantasy at Marcus Sparks at Ben Kissel number one and you can follow us uh, last podcast and left on all the, the fucking various bullshit motherfucking things all right at LP on the left <laughs> yeah um, and of course keep on supporting all the shows here on CCR route table of gentlemen able can stop at for everything politics page seven uh, movie signs with the mads uh, wizard and the bruiser and every let's see what else am I missing uh, sex and other human activities yeah. uh, everything you know you know where everything. to find it and I also want to give a special thank you to Johnny Crowhand. Yeah. He gave us some wonderful uh, jewelry in uh, Colorado Springs that I haven't been able to uh, properly thank him for yet. Uh, but thank you very much, Johnny Crowhand, for the wonderful hand necklace you made. Me. Oh, well, that sounds, that sounds like a, like puppetry of the penis. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about all that. It's beautiful. I wear it when I write. Okay, hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Gabe. Hail me. And a magustulations. Go to yourself and be good. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.